as we get started this morning, I do have, uh, I just, I want to play a short clip for you. Just listen for a moment. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down You feeling it? How, how many of you have heard that song before? Uh, how many of you remember when the song was on the radio? We honor those that have gone before us. <laughs> and uh, uh, Now, what, anybody know the name of the song? For this guy. That is, that's it. And about what year did it come on the radio? It was in the 60s. About 67. It became popular in 1968. Who was the, uh, what's the name of the band? Extra credit. Oh, I heard it. Five points for Jeff. Uh, written by Stephen Stills, who went on to be part of Crosby, Stills, and, and, and Nash. Um, not, it was not a song by a Public Enemy, in case you were confused there. Um, though there have been many remakes of, of the song. What, what comes to mind, what images come to mind when you hear that song? War. War. Protest. Protest. Yeah. Hip, hippie, all right, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, but the song, depending on when you, you grew up, if you were in the 60s and, and 70s, it evokes some deep, deep emotions. Um, it became the song of a movement. And it's interesting, the song was not written for any of the, the movements that it became associated with. Uh, Stephen Stills had been at a, uh, he came across a protest kind of accidentally. He was going to Hollywood, uh, Sunset, uh, was it Strip? Boulevard, and uh, he was going to catch some live music. But at the time, the, the young people, I wouldn't say were causing a ruckus, but were gathering more and more often, and the, the residents of the area, the upscale boutiques, they, they didn't like what was happening on, on the boulevard, and so LAPD, they introduced a curfew for anyone under 18 had to be home by 10. A local radio station uh, let everyone know, hey, there's going to be a protest, and so there was a protest this night that Stephen Stills went down. And unrelated to the protest, a fight broke out, but it was near the protest, and so it just kind of inflamed the situation. And so you had these protesters and, um, were marching, and some of the carried placards that read, We're your children, don't destroy us. Um, and they, they ended up destroying a city bus, and they threw some rocks um, and some things at, at some businesses. And then, then it was over. There wasn't much after that. Um, Oh, yeah, there's a, a picture from it. Uh, stop police malpractice, leave us alone, enforce the laws equally, stop blue fascism. Those are, so that was, the, uh, that was the crowd there. Um, and, but after, the pro after that night, it was over. Like, there wasn't much to it. But then the song, the, the, 
Stephen wrote the song in, in, just in hindsight, thinking about that event, and it became the, the anthem of a movement, and it, it, began to, it trans- transcended its origin story. It sort of was like a we shall overcome of its time. Um, and it has a reference you know, to the police and, and guns. And, uh, and so when we hear it now, even, even for myself, who was not there in 1967, uh, it still ev- evokes some of those like, oh, this is, the song has some deeper meaning be- behind it. And so S- Stephen Stills, when he wrote it, he didn't intend to start a movement. But Jesus intended to start a movement. And in the Jesus movement, Jesus gave his followers an anthem that was to evoke emotions within them. When they, when they heard the song, when they, they prayed this song. It was, it was to carry the, the spirit of the, the movement. It wasn't supposed to become routine. Um, and, and for some people, there was a longing for revolution. Like there was this longing for revolution. Uh, there's something within us that cries out that the world is horribly broken and it's, it's got to be fixed. And, and for centuries, the word revolution was um, the same as, as being a traitor or, and, and thoughts of revolution were squashed. And then you come to the 1700s, the 1800s. And in history, it's known as the age of revolution, the, the American revolution, the French revolution. Some revolutions go well. Some do not go well. Sometimes the revolution makes things worse than they are to, to begin with. Um, we have presidential candidates who now are speaking of a political revolution. Um, because we sense, and, and whether, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, or not, that not everything is right. That there are, things are broken. Things are not as they, they should be. And we are desperate for what no earthly revolution can produce. There's this longing in us for the, the kingdom of God and as Jesus, as the king of kings, to come and to finally reign. And so this anthem that Jesus gave us, we've been studying the last few weeks, the Lord's Prayer. And my prayer is as, as we go through this, this series is that uh, it would pull us out of the routine of just saying the Lord's Prayer, but, but when we hear it, it would evoke certain emotions within us of, of God's coming kingdom and, and having this desire. And so it's, it's more than just going through a simple prayer. And so this, this anthem, the Lord's Prayer, it, um, well, it turns the world upside down. It is a revolutionary prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It, uh, principalities and powers, they, they hear their fall in this prayer. Dictators are told their time is up. Might will indeed be made right, and the kingdoms of this world will pass. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is King. And so that's, that's what we're going to continue to look at today, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, each week we've been looking at a different English translation just to get a little different perspective on, on the words that we've heard repeated uh, many times. And so today I want to read from, this is called Young's Literal Translation. It's written by uh, Robert Young or translated by Robert Young in the 1800s. He was self-taught in the ancient languages, which is incredible, like to teach yourself Hebrew, Greek. Uh, he taught himself some other languages as well. But this is his, we call a literal translation, which means he tried to go word for word from the original Greek. Thus, therefore, pray ye. 1800s, all right? (laughs) I don't know what he just said, but uh, thus, therefore, pray ye. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy reign come, thy will come to pass, as in heaven, also on the earth. 
Our appointed bread give us today, and forgive us our debts also as we forgive our debtors. And mayest thou not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, because thine is the reign and the power and the glory to the ages. Amen. Amen. And today I want to focus on verse 12, where it says, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Um, Forgiveness is at the heart of the kingdom movement. It is central. It is core. And a few weeks ago, Jeff preached on praying, your kingdom come. Well, the the kingdom coming looks like forgiveness coming. Now, do you find it in your own life easy or difficult to ask for forgiveness? Just think about uh, the last time maybe you were in the wrong. Think about a relationship that you're in, maybe a friend or co-worker or husband and wife. Do you... uh, I mean, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I've gotten pretty good at asking for forgiveness, saying I'm sorry. And what it normally sounds like is, I'm sorry you feel that way. (laughs) Right? Or, uh, I'm sorry you're so ignorant. Uh, I'm really good at those types of confessions. Because, let's, let's be honest, confessing that we have messed up not easy. It, it is not uh, easy. And we like to jump to all kinds of hoops to justify our behavior, don't we? Like we, we like to blame others, but, but, but what about, are my kids in here? They're not in here, right? Oh, kids just magnify what, what we do ourselves. We're just better at hiding it, right? Uh, but when one of the boys are in trouble, it's like immediately, but they and but she... Instead of, like, but we do the same thing. Like we, we like to blame. We like to push. We like to minimize. Oh, it wasn't that big a deal. Like what I did, it's not that big a deal. Nobody got hurt, right? We, we minimize it. Or, uh, or I was so tired. I was so tired, so it was, it was out of character. That's not, not how I normally act. I was, I was angry. I was hungry. I was hangry. There we go. There you go. Somebody following along. But we, we make these excuses for ourselves, and that is, listen, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't have a, a degree in sociology and in studying other cultures, but I would guess that this is cross-cultural, like across nations and boundaries, that there is something built into the human DNA where we like to push blame off ourselves. Like, it's just so much easier. We look at our first parents, Adam and Eve in the garden. When they disobeyed God, God comes and speaks to them. What do they do? Point the finger. They point the finger. But Jesus wants us to be a people of forgiveness, a people who are forgiven. And this goes back uh, to the days of the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah. He was, he was speaking about this day that was coming. And he says, uh, the days are coming. This is Jeremiah 31, verse 31 declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So God has told them, I'm going to make a new covenant with you and I will forgive your sins. And, And so this promise of forgiveness, this is perhaps the supreme blessing of God's coming age, to be forgiven. 
And so uh, this Old Testament, you come to the time of Jesus, and, and Jesus arrives on the scene, and he starts doing this weird thing. He starts forgiving people when they haven't, like he wasn't the person who was the one who needed to forgive. Um, and because the way that you receive forgiveness in Jesus' time was to go to te- the temple, offer sacrifice, you were forgiven. Uh, but Jesus would come in and forgive people, and this is odd. This is, I mean, we, if you grew up in church, you're like, of course Jesus forgave people. But let's say I came up to you, and I was like, hey. And I start, it started with, psst. Anytime someone starts with, psst, questionable. But if I came up to you and was like, psst, hey, hey, I can get you a driver's license. You don't need to go down to DMV. Or, or I can get you a passport. Uh, you don't need to go over to the post office. You don't need to take, I can, in fact, I can get it for you half price. Half price. Now, your, your first inclination would be like, no, thank you. You know I do not have the credentials to provide those documents for you. The only time you would say, oh, that's interesting, is if maybe you were underage and needed an ID, or you had some type of background that does not allow you to get the required documents. And, and uh, So there's different ways where you might speak to me. But in general, you're like, no. You cannot offer me. That, that is not valid. I did a little uh, Google search for a fake ID. A number of websites came up. I did not click on them because I was like, this sounds like a virus <laughs> about to happen because I know these folks are shady. So I, I didn't, but it was, uh, you know, fakeid.com and like this, they got the holograms and everything. It's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, but it's fraudulent. So Jesus, he's going around offering uh, forgiveness. Um, or, or another example, we live just uh, a couple of houses away from the corner of MLK and, and Monaco. And if you've been to the intersection, you know at times it can be a little bit sketchy, and there are accidents out there frequently. Like we open up the blinds and look out, make sure everybody's okay. And, and a couple months ago, if you drive down MLK very often, you know they change the light pattern. Does anybody notice that? Like, oh man, it's been chaos. And so you, you come up, what, you're driving east and west, and let's say you've got the one light here, you've got the parkway, the other light here, and if you're, you're coming, it used to be, right, both lights are red, then what happens? Both lights turn green, you go. Well, they changed it. This light stays red. The one further stays green. All the middle traffic clears out. Then this light turns green, goes across. I was in the left-hand lane. I was stopped. Uh, and, and so what happens is people aren't paying attention. The light turns green, they're on the red light here, it hasn't turned yet, but they right across. Um, and so I'm here in left-hand lane, the right-hand lane, uh, the, the light in front turns green, light right here is still red, and coming up alongside me is a uh, U.S. Postal Service truck just cruising, expecting the person to start because they've looked up and seen the green light. Red light has not changed, and he just smashed right into the back of that guy. I was like, oh, man. That's a, rough, that's a rough day regardless, but you're on the job, company vehicle. And so uh, I, I pull over with, with the, the people that got hit, make sure everybody's okay. I go up to the driver of the USPS truck and I say, hey, man, I forgive you. <laughs> that part is not part of the story. That did not happen. <laughs> the accident happened because for me to say I forgive you, like that, that's weird. Right? Can you imagine the, his look on his face would have been like, oh, okay. 
And then the other driver being like, excuse, excuse me? Like, well, you cannot forgive, but yet Jesus shows up on the scene, and that's basically what he's doing. And it's odd to us, and it was odd to the people of that day. Um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 uh, through 3, it says that Jesus came to his own town, and some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. He is because he would have been if he was not who he said he was. Like you, you can't forgive, just go out and start forgiving sins. And, and many people today say, you know, Matt, don't say this to me necessarily, but I hear people saying that they like, they like Jesus, they don't like Christians, Jesus was a, a good moral leader, a good example, and, but they have not read the New Testament. If they say that, and then because either Jesus was a narcissist or he was, in fact, the Son of God and was who and could and had the credentials to forgive. Um, so Jesus, he, he, he forgives, and unlike me, he has the credentials. And so the kingdom of God comes into our life when we embrace God's forgiveness, when we embrace God's forgiveness. Um, and there's, there's something about being forgiven. Like when we recognize that we need to be forgiven and that we are then forgiven, it just changes things. It, it changes. It changes things. It changes our own ability to forgive, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, there's, there's a hymn that, it's a, it's a newer hymn, um, but it encourages me about forgiveness. And um, I'm going to put just some of the words up on the screen. You may have heard this song called How Deep the Father's Love. Uh, anyone heard this song? A few people? Um, so I just, it goes, How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turned his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished, and I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power. death and resurrection why should I gain from his reward I can but this I know with all my heart his wounds 
My ransom. His wounds have paid my debt. His wounds have paid your debt. That is the heart of the gospel. And uh, some might wonder, Matthew, Jesus, he atoned for our sins on the cross, past, present, future. And when I stand before God, I stand as, as justified. And now God sees me as he sees his own son as righteous. So then why do we have to pray, Lord, forgive me? Forgive me my sins. Forgive daily. Why, why is that? Why were we instructed by Jesus to pray that if, in fact, we have been forgiven? And I think the difference could be the difference between praying to God as judge and praying to God as father. Praying to God for salvation, coming in, being born again initially, and then coming in into the relationship with the father. You see, when, when there's an issue between parents or between parents and, and children, and all except the most extreme cases, the relationship remains, right? It might be, might be strained. And so when we come to this daily forgiving, say, God, forgive me my sins, it's a, it's a prayer of a prayer with the Father. Remember, this is a family prayer. It starts with our Father in heaven. And so it's, it's, it's understanding that man, there's, I have not loved God as I should have loved God. Because I've, I've, uh, when we think of sins, we, we often think of, you know, the, the bad stuff, the addiction. We think, um, you know, the, the child who's been told not to take a, uh, a cookie out of the cookie jar, but then they snatch one out of there anyway, right? The, those types of things. Or, or so from a child or two adults, like the, the big addictions and things we consider sinful or like cheating on your spouse, those, those obvious kind of things. But there's something deeper in this prayer, I think, that we're, we're praying for. That, and um, it was um, Augustine. He was an African uh, church father. And, and he, he understood this deeper sin that is in us, that even though we have, we have come to faith, we still, like, we still, we still sin. And he looked at the, the greatest commandment that, that Jesus gave when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength on your mind. And to paraphrase uh, St. Augustine, he said, who of us can say that we have loved God with all of our heart? Which one of us can say that we have loved God with all, all of our, our mind and uh, with all, like in some way that we, that we have failed. And so we come and we pray for forgiveness to get back in relationship with God. Uh, the Anglican prayer book, uh, some, some churches regularly confess their sins together. And I love, I love this prayer. Uh, and if you're from a different tradition, you've, you've probably prayed this in a service. It says, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. So we pray, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts. Um, and so, the, oh my, what time was what is That clock back there is lying to me. If you were here last week, I said I usually talk for about 22 minutes. Probably wasn't true, and I need to confess. Uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8 says, if we claim that 
to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's hard, but verse 9 is good. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and the word is not in us. We need forgiveness, and it is readily available. It is readily available through the work of Jesus Christ. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. If you thought asking for forgiveness was difficult, giving forgiveness to other people could be, for some of us, even more difficult. Could be more difficult. Uh, And Jesus knows that there is some difficulty in forgiving others. And so he he gives the Lord's Prayer. He's like, pray like this when you pray. Right when he's finished, the very next thing he says, he comes back to this idea of forgiveness. Matthew 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That sounds like our forgiveness is contingent, like our being forgiven is contingent upon our forgiving others. I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? Um, Is Jesus saying that the Father forgives us only on the basis of the way we forgive others? That's what it sounds like. And we have to wrestle with this because in, in the New Testament in general, what we see is grace and then works, that's what James is talking about. Faith without works is dead. Um, but these are, these are the words of Jesus, and we, we can't just ignore the, the second part of the verse. I mean, I think we want to put God's forgiveness of us in one box and our forgiveness of others in another box and separate the two. What Jesus has done here is he's brought the two together in, in a way that, I mean, it makes us uncomfortable, especially anyone from a, a Protestant tradition where it's faith alone, Christ alone, but this seems to, like, what are we to do with that? Uh, And we're out of time, so we might just have to end there. You might have to stress about that this week and come back, and we'll uh, pick pick back up there next week. Um, Let me just add one thing so I don't leave quite so much tension for you this week. Though tension's not always bad. Um, I think we're confused by this prayer, not because the prayer itself is confusing. I think it says more than we want it to say. We want it to say, forgive us our debts, and that be the end of it. But what it says is, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, as, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Um, so there's... Um, I'm trying to see how much we should, should go into here. Let me just say, I think the order here is important. Um, the order is we ask for forgiveness and are forgiven, and then we forgive. There's, there's an order here um, because the gospel of Jesus is based on the fact that God loved us first. Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we hadn't forgiven anybody, while we hadn't done anything for our account, that God loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is what makes 
I think Christianity a bit unique from other religions is that in most other religions, in some fashion, you're working up to be approved. Like, I've, I've done what I need to do. I've done this, I've done this, and then this. And, and then comes the blessing that comes to salvation. Whereas in, in Christ, Christ has done everything. And so in response to that, then we, we work. We have a, I've heard people say we have a faith that works or a working faith, but it's still... And so the order here is important, that the, the, the forgiveness that we receive from God comes first. It's closely linked to our ability to forgive others, and I'm going to go into that just a bit more detail next week. I do want to honor your, your time, and I think... Um, so as you come for next Sunday, be prepared as we think about, is there somebody that you need to forgive. Like something recent, something past, something, and you're like, I'm not coming back, Matthew. <laughs> now next week, you shouldn't have told me. Uh, but I, re- I really believe that God wants to do a work in our hearts through forgiveness and recognizing what God has done for us can help us in that deep forgiveness. Um, and, and we need forgiveness. We need to be a, a place of forgiveness where we walk in forgiveness for one another. We're going to have all kinds of opportunities to offend one another as we get to know each other uh, in so many ways. All right, that's next week. Okay. Uh, so today, is, as we conclude, uh, but let's take a look at that first part. We pray, God, forgive us. Forgive us our, our debts. When was the last time you prayed, God, forgive me? And then name the things for which you needed forgiveness of. Like just thinking back this week, um, are the ways that you did not love God fully, are the f- things that you did not do that you should have done. Like just, just take a moment to reflect. We're going to move to a time of communion. And I typically, for communion, I, I read from 1 Corinthians. But today I want to read from the Gospel, Matthew 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my, uh, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new in my Father's kingdom. And so when we partake of the the bread and juice together it is a reminder that we have forgiveness in Christ Uh, it's a reminder that we're looking forward to a day as Maisie talked about earlier when all things are made right and we believe that as we partake together that in some way we are dining with the living God so would you declare with me the mystery of our faith that Christ has died Christ is risen. Christ will come again.